Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, episode 780 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by your host, the lovely, the talented, and the scholarly, Brittany E. Page, everybody. Well, everything feels pretty heavy today, does it not? It does. I mean, there was like this kind of hanging, impending, doomish type of thing. Mm-hmm. But really, waking up this morning, it, it was different. Mm-hmm. It was heavier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, we had uh, Russia attack Ukraine. We're still in the middle of a pandemic. Texas, with the directive for licensed professionals and members of the general public to report parents of transgender kids that are receiving gender-affirming care. Yeah, I mean... We can continue the list, but it is remarkable what Texas is doing right now, that if you are gender-affirming care for trans kids is now considered and will be pursued as child abuse in Texas. Mm-hmm. If Like, it wasn't bad enough with the abortion bullshit. They're just trying to go straight Handmaid's Tale all all, all day long. And then you have the Florida House that passed the Don't Say Gay bill, the Stop Woke Act passed. Uh, that, Texas and Florida. That prohibits schools or private businesses from engaging in training that makes anyone feel, quote, discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress on account of their race. So not not the best day to be yeah. talking about the news. Heavy for sure. Yeah, but we're going to get through it. You know, it, it is it is strange that, that you got your Texas, you got your Florida. Oftentimes, people talk about California as being kind of the beacon or uh, leading the tip of the spear for progress in the country. That as California goes, so goes the nation. Maybe a decade or so later, and it seems like Texas and Florida are really dragging us down. All jokes aside, about Florida being a goddamn nightmare. Mm-hmm. It really is. They're they're working their damnedest. They're doing the hard work to to be as regressive as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Remarkable. Yeah. So this is kind of a day where I think it's important to think about the positive things that are going on in your life and try to recognize those things just so that you don't suffer under the weight of the bad news. The pain in yeah. the world right now. It's it's Cling to friends and family. Yeah. And I mean, uh, yesterday we had a very nice day here. It was 70 degrees. Today it's 30 degrees. You know. Yeah. It fell right in line with how things have gone. Yeah, for sure. We are here, though. We are here for you. We're here to talk about some of the things we've been talking about on the previous episodes with some listener communication but also the headlines. And listen, it is going to be heavy. We're going to be playing some sound of Republicans and their goddamn nonsense. But we still operate in the human condition, and I think things are, we should be hopeful, especially if we're going to be engaging in the fight to make things better. Yeah. As vague as that sounds. Mm Mm-hmm. It is important to try to maintain a positive attitude, if not just for your mental health, for your ability to stay motivated to try to make things better for people who who can't. 
um, engage in the fight as, as, as easily as you, you may be able to. Well said, Jesse D. <laughs> very, very well said. Wow. Yeah. Praise all the way around. Well, just from me to you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, a, a few episodes ago, someone who goes by or signed their email, dat other guy, wrote in about difficulty with his soon to 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 be past father mm-hmm. and expressions of love or lack thereof and we asked the audience to sound off not everybody listens to the episodes as soon as they drop so we're getting feedback that's trickling in and we want to go to that we have an email and a voicemail which should we go to first let's go to the voicemail hey this is dan from ontario canada um was just listening to the uh, February 15th podcast um, about, you talked about the guy who emailed in uh, about advice for talking to his his ailing father. Um, I'm trying to keep this short and sweet. Um, <laughs> it just really hit home for me. Uh, I, I have a relationship with my father, he wasn't, it was not as standoffish. Um, we tried to show affection. Me and him would try to say, I love you over the years. It would never really land. It, we would say it because we felt obligated, right? It, it never really felt right. It was awkward. Um, we were just two men that never really talked about our emotions. Um, he, he was a, a good father, um, <laughs> workaholic, always, always felt he needed to step up and be the provider. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've put a lot of thought into how I'm going to react, you know, you know, the last time I ever talked to him, he, <laughs> doesn't live a healthy lifestyle. I know the day is coming at some point, but how would I talk to him at the end? It wouldn't be I love you because, like I said, that it just never really felt right for the two of us. But for me, I would need him to know. <laughs> Shit, maybe it's more for me than him. I would need him to know that he did good. Um, maybe that's why he worked so hard. Maybe he always wanted to hear that from his parents. Who knows? But but I would I would need him to hear from someone. You did good. You you pulled it off. Uh, I'm gonna be okay. My sister's gonna be okay. Our mother's gonna be fine. And that's thanks to you. Yeah, you did good. Um, get some rest. Enjoy it. You damn well earned it. My thought is, first, thank you for the call. Absolutely. Dan, we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Dan in Canada. Um, Why not tell him now? Well, it sounds like Dan is preparing what he wants to say. Yeah, but what if he doesn't get the chance to say the things he wants to say because of uh, an abrupt death or something horrible that you can't foresee? I, mm-hmm. I just, I mean, do what's best for you and what works for you and your dad, And but, but why not? Why not have him listen to the opening of the show and listen to the voice? I mean, you just conveyed some beautiful thoughts in in a non super overly affectionate way mm-hmm. you communicated things that you want communicated why wait mm-hmm. the other thing that struck me was that as much as that other guy was looking for or maybe not looking for but as much of a service as the listeners are to 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 the original caller yeah I think the original caller may have done a larger service to the audience at large because it mm. it sparks in people to think about these things. Yeah. To to, to it, it initiated in Dan 
thoughts about this. Yeah. You know, so I, I think service one to another is not necessarily a mantra on the show, but certainly moving the conversation forward is, and that in a roundabout way is is service to to each other. Yeah, well, and it's beneficial to hear the different perspectives and how people do have a moment of reflection when they hear someone else's story. Sure. And so whether it's that other guy sharing his story or Dan sharing his story, there are going to be listeners who hear those stories and are impacted by them, even if they're not writing in or communicating with the show. They're they're silently being impacted by your words. So For sure. it's important to share those stories, and we're grateful that the listeners share those stories with us. We do have an email like you referenced, Jesse, and that is from Sam. Brittany and Jesse, your recent calls and messages from people who have had strained relationships with their fathers has served an unlikely purpose. It's nice to be reminded of the good things in our lives and to remember that gratitude is important. I'm very fortunate to still have two living parents. Most of my same age peers have lost their parents. My mom turned 91 over the weekend and my dad turned 91 last October. Even though a series of strokes have left my mother with vascular dementia and to life in a stroke rehabilitation facility, my dad takes a paratransit bus every single day to visit her, and I'm fortunate to live close enough to both of them and to help my dad with bills, taxes, groceries, and household chores. Every time I leave him or get off the phone with him, the last words we speak are, I love you, and if in person, that is accompanied by a hug. I rest easy knowing that the last words I will ever speak to my parents and vice versa are, I love you. I feel sad for the listeners who don't have that in their lives, but I do feel like their stories have given me and hopefully others a better sense of gratitude for what we do have. Your old pal, Sam. Yeah, well, one, fantastic that you still have your parents and they're they're as old as they are. Um, That's a beautiful thing. I don't I don't want to take away at all from what Sam wrote, but it is for me, it's kind of like the an extrovert looks at an introvert and thinks, oh, how how terrible to be an introvert. Like I I, I don't understand introverts. So I'm like, oh, that that seems negative. When it's not, it's just what it is. You wish I was dead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much the message I'm getting. And I, I agree with Sam that I wouldn't want um I take solace in the fact that you and I tell each other we love each other f- hundreds of times a day. It's it's a refrain. My loved ones, they hear it from me. Whether they want to hear it or not, they get to hear it. <laughs> so it's not that, I don't know exactly what I'm saying, but it, it's not that Dan doesn't share love with his father or even that other guy doesn't sh- not share love with his father. It's just expressed in a more esoteric, I maybe not, maybe suppressed is negative, but a more repressed, suppressed way. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not that it's not there; it's just expressed differently. Yeah, more subtly, maybe. Yeah, and I I don't know that it always has to be sad. There are some people who, again, as a therapist, in my work as a therapist, if I had a client come in and say that their parent had died my response is not one that a typical person would have. What What's a typical person going to say if someone says that they lost their parent or they lost anyone in their lives? What's the go-to? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Right. As a therapist, we don't say that. I'm so sad for you or whatever. Right. As a therapist, we don't say that because it may actually not be a sad thing. Yeah. It may actually be something that is a relief. That happens. Yeah. And so it's not always a sad story. Because of... A multiplicity of different circumstances. It could be abuse. It could be whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and so sometimes when people have strained relationships with their parents, it, it isn't always a sad story. And yeah. it's very common. And it was interesting that that other guy wrote that message when he did, because I actually found out that my dad died by suicide about a month ago now. Mm-hmm. And we hadn't been in communication for 20 years uh, he had been in prison for 16 years. He had just gotten out of prison, had been out of prison for less than a year when he took his life. And when I first got the news, I did cry for a few minutes. I think just the shock of it. Yeah, and sure, sure. And the tragedy of his life specifically. 
and maybe a little bit of mourning the fact that I won't ever be able to have a conversation with him that that I always wanted to have, which would just consist of asking him questions about why he made the choices that he made. And there was a process for me over the past month of realizing, and I feel like it happened pretty quick, that even if I were to have had that conversation, the answers that I would look were, was looking for, I wouldn't have gotten them. Yeah. Because of the state that he was in. And so mourning, I think, looks very different depending on the relationship that you have with the person. I don't think that, for example, the story I just told is sad for me. Yeah. I think it's sad for him because of the life that he lived. But I don't think it's sad for me. I think it's something that actually allows me to feel safe in the world which is a good thing. With him being not in the world. Yes. Yeah. And I know that that's sad to say, and it may be striking for some people to hear. Sure, of course. But, you know, when you have safety concerns with someone, it's a reality. Yeah. And I think being able to talk more frankly about these relationships that exist. There are people who don't talk to their parents because they have done very bad things. There are people who don't talk to blood relatives because they have done very bad things. And that is okay. It's always striking to me when we're in a social situation and you've gotten more and more and more comfortable with it. And I'm not going to use the words you use, but when, when someone's like, oh, your parents, and you go, I don't talk to my parents. Every once in a while, someone will probe. Oh, why is that? Mm-hmm. And then you eventually just, you know, well, they're fucking Nazis. You don't say that. You, mm-hmm. you use beautiful Brittany Page language, which is far more nuanced. And people, it's... Like a, like a, why'd you ask them? Mm -hmm. Why did you ask why? Why did you probe? Why did you push? Because now you have the answer Mm -hmm. and now you're extra uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think it's good for people to learn those lessons in social situations. (laughs) So that's why you do it. Well, you're teaching them. I'm teaching people fucking lessons. One after the other. It's kind of like asking people if they're pregnant, you know? I mean, it's just, can we not? Or why haven't you had kids yet? Yeah, unless you're ready to have a very frank conversation that is going to go much deeper than you were probably wanting it to, then don't ask certain questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm happy to, like you said, I've gotten more comfortable over time talking about these things. And that's partly because of just modeling. I want to be able to model for other people that it's okay. We, You know, I, I felt a long time that these were secrets. And that they said something bad about me and I should not talk about them. But I don't, I don't subscribe to those ideas anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I love the listeners. Thank you guys so much for having um, the, the tough conversations via a podcast over episode after episode. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I think it's important. I think it's helpful. And I think it is a, uh, a duty one to another as, you know, we keep talking about. And we appreciate you so, so much. Uh, moving on to more more updated news, talking about uh, the political situation in America and how we deal with uh, those with whom we disagree vehemently. Hello, Brittany and Jesse. This is James calling from Michigan. Um, excuse me, by the way. I've been hit the Jew pretty hard. I might be a little rayed out. But I, I've had something bouncing around in my head. This is not, um, this is not something... Um, like in a direct response to a topic on uh, either the YouTube or uh, the YouTube show or, or, or the uh, podcast. This is just sort of, I've, I've been hearing this a lot, you know, in discussions with uh, friends and family, that kind of stuff. There's this general sentiment, like, what do we do about, quote, these people, unquote. Let me, let me be specific about these people. Uh, I'm talking about, uh, you know, the, the folks that are still, you know, carrying water for Trump, you know, uh, the, the big lie, uh, the anti-vax BS, all of that stuff. And, and I think, I think the answer is, is a little uncomfortable. Um, but I think, there, I, I honestly think that the way forward with this, the way that we like come back together, um, and, and you'll have to give me a second here. Uh, I, I think the way we do this is, uh, uh, ridicule, open mocking and ridicule. Allow me to explain. Um, so, uh, I'm, you're probably aware of this, but back in, I think it was like the thirties, maybe it was the forties, uh, the KKK was almost, like single-handedly destroyed by by Superman, 
the, the Superman radio show. It, it's a long story, and I won't get into it, but it's true. Uh, basically, they were mocked on the most popular radio program, uh, you know, going at the time in the United States, and it almost completely destroyed them. Um, and, uh, you know, this we, we had a recent resurgence in white supremacy, but um, <clears throat> with the Civil Rights Act and all of that, there were a lot of these neo-Nazi types uh, taken to the streets, marching and so forth. And um, they were more or less shamed to going back home uh, because uh, the uh, the American uh, Society of Clowns actually got together and uh, counter-protested, again, by openly mocking them. They would say white power. The clowns would say white flour and throw, like, you know, baking flour, like, in the air, that kind of stuff. Um, look, it's not it's not a pleasant way to get about this, but I think it's genuine. These are dumb-ass ideas, and I think we need to be... You know, we, we should be nice on an individual level, but we should openly mock these stupid-ass ideas. I think that's how we get rid of them. Anyway, I'm running out of time here. Uh, love the show. You guys are great. Um, I, I think it's perfunctory at this point. Uh, Brittany is the best part. Thanks. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. As much as it makes me feel good to openly mock and ridicule, I don't, and listen, it's going to come be weird me having this answer because I do. I'm a name caller. I'm I'm not kind. Um, I don't know what kind of efficacy it's going to have to actually change someone's mind. I think the most charitable outcome that we could that we could come to, or the uh, uh, interpretation of the outcome, would be <laughs> that it's they're going to be shamed into going underground. They're still going to believe what they believe, but they're going to keep their fucking mouth shut about it. And, mm. You know, maybe there's there's something to say. That, there's something to be said there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, what I would do is I would throw it to the audience. Yeah. See what they say. 657-464-7609. Do you agree with James from Michigan? <laughs> is that the best way? You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it. At dollamore.com. I just want to add that um, I also don't think it's the best way. If we're talking about changing hearts and minds. Yeah, that, well, that's what I mean. If, if that's the goal, that's not going to work. Well, and there's no denying that it is fun to mock and shame. <laughs> but like you said, I think there is a risk of people then just hiding those views and congregating with like-minded people and going further into their echo chambers and it's much more difficult to have open conversations with people, especially if you're talking about racists, which I think the caller was specifically honing in on racists, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe. And that that's definitely something that's more difficult to grapple with. And I have certainly failed in my own personal life to have those conversations in a way that doesn't turn into disconnecting and yeah. being done with. People who are espousing said ideas. Well, let's, since we're here, I, I wasn't really, I was just going to throw it to the audience and move on, but let's think about it. I mean, let's say, you know, somebody who doesn't believe 9-11 actually happened or they believe it was an inside job. You're not going to ridicule someone. Well, let's, let's actually use the racism thing. Let, let's, let's imagine somebody believes that black people are inferior because of the color of their skin to white people. Mm-hmm. If you call them a fucking idiot a thousand times, they're not going to see the error of their ways. It's not like they're like, oh, wow, he's calling me an idiot. Black people are equal. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't see that as happening. Yeah. You'll feel real good. At least I do. Mm -hmm. It it makes me feel some sense of, of, of pleasure. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To, 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 to recognize their idiocy because it is idiocy. Yeah. But it doesn't change their minds any. Well, and this also it just reminds me of how white people need the need to be the ones doing this work and actually grappling with other white people who are racist, especially those that they are close to. For example, at the Thanksgiving table or at Christmas dinner, yeah. wherever you may encounter someone who is racist in your life, it, it's kind of our responsibility to take that on, I think, and grapple with those people in our lives and 
If you feel like mockery and shame is going to get it done and the people that you know personally, all right, have at it. I know the people in my life that have racist views do not take well to mockery and shame and instead it just closes them off. And it's it's a tough balance though. I mean, it's difficult to have a conversation that is open and I mean, I don't even know what yeah, word to use. It, how because does it look? Well, how does that, what's that look like? I mean, I have certainly attempted. I have certainly attempted. And oftentimes it does not go where I want it to go, but you always hope maybe seeds have been planted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Again, what do you think? 657-464-7609. I doubt it at dollamore.com. Before we move on with a little bit of follow-up due to, uh, to talk about some of the Texas stuff, uh, a word from this month's sponsor. Noom. One clear advantage of D.C. over Southern California is walkability. Though our cross-country move through a wrench in our daily routines, at least now we can simply open the door and go get some exercise. <laughs> Imagine walking to the grocery store in Orange County. Uh, no. <laughs> exercise has been a primary focus of mine over the last six months since I started using Noom. Noom is not a diet. It is not simply a weight loss tool. It is a program that uses psychology and social science to change your behavior. We are so excited to have Noom sponsoring the podcast this month as it has helped me lose weight, exercise smarter, and feel better. Go to Noom.com slash I doubt it to take your free 30-second Noom quiz today or simply click on the link in the show notes to get your health headed in the right direction. Noom's super detailed exercise and food trackers give me a clearer understanding of how my effort is stacking up and where my calories are being spent. Wait until you see their food budget. You can even track your daily water intake and gain insights into your sleep habits. And you can do all of this in less than 10 minutes per day, thanks to Noom's use of cognitive behavioral therapy dispensed in intuitive and insightful lessons. Cognitive behavioral therapy is an evidence-based practice that helps people gain a clearer understanding of their negative thinking patterns and triggers so they can better change their behavior. This is how Noom goes beyond just a diet. Get your 2022 on track. Head to Noom.com slash I doubt it to take your free 30-second Noom quiz today or simply click on the link in the show notes to chart your path towards better health. So again, thanks to Noom for sponsoring the podcast this month. And uh, it might not be a diet, but let me tell you, I am steadily, steadily losing weight. Super excited. A lot more energy. It's a good time. So Feeling you good about su- it. What's that? Feeling good about it. I am feeling really good about it. And if you want to support the show... Um, go take that quiz. Click the link in the description or go to noom.com slash I doubt it. Um, speaking of what we talked about, the the heavy, looming kind of darkness that has um, enveloped the day. Mm-hmm. You talked about what's going on in Texas. Yeah. And uh, I, I want to specifically talk about it because what, the trans community in America or the world is is about as marginalized as it gets. Mm-hmm. The rates of suicide are astronomically higher. The rates of attempted suicide are are equally as radical. And to further marginalize, to further otherize, to further put this group of people at risk is a crime. It is a human rights violation that Texas is just leaning into. And that is what we're going to talk about. Texas parents and even doctors could face abuse investigations if they provide health care options to transgender children. Today, Governor Greg Abbott sent a letter to the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services directing the agency to look into transgender care as child abuse. This letter follows a legal opinion issued last week by Attorney General Ken Paxton. He said his reading of Texas law shows this kind of care constitutes child abuse. Advocates for the LGBTQ community in Texas denounced these decisions. Our position at Equality Texas has been and will continue to be that we stand with every major credible medical association in support of this care because we know it to be life-saving. This afternoon, a spokesperson told us DFPS will follow the AG's opinion after receiving the governor's letter. However, the department has no pending investigations of child abuse involving transgender health care. So as I referenced in the opening, the governor has 
tasked teachers, nurses, doctors, and members of the general public with reporting claims of kids who are receiving gender-affirming care, Mm -hmm. and that there could be criminal penalties for a failure to report what they describe as child abuse, which is, again, trans kids receiving gender-affirming care. And, I mean, when I think about my code of ethics for my profession, it does not involve outing kids yeah. in situations that would then create a safety issue for them. So Greg Abbott can talk about this all he wants, but I am hoping that the professionals that are tasked with keeping people safe are not going to be following this directive, regardless of the threats. It is... And this is Nazi shit. You know, I always hesitate because you oh, compare, go, go right to comparing them to Nazis. But this is informing on other citizens. I mean, this is this is deep Soviet Union type bullshit where they're 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 setting up tip lines to is there a book being taught in your school that you want to you want to narc about? Here's the line. You can email in. You can call in. It's the same kind of thing mm-hmm. where you're reporting on your neighbors who may have a trans kid, and, oh, they're they're treating them with love and compassion. That's fucking child abuse. It's just, it's bizarro, sickening, and it's the, the order of the day in Texas with Ken Paxton, who's being investigated for being a criminal himself. Mm-hmm. It's gross. Uh, don't forget the Texas abortion law, right. which enables people to sue. Right, yeah, that's right. It, yeah. That whole law is also predicated upon narking in a way right where you're suing your neighbors yeah who may have whatever role in in someone getting an abortion yeah texas i mean texas is not a good place to be right now no i really feel for unless all, you're a white straight cis man yeah i really feel for the people who live in texas and the listeners who live in texas that are seeing these headlines and i mean if you are personally impacted by this as well it's it's just got to be very difficult to be there. Well, we are, I mean, we are approaching this June when the Supreme Court is going to decide on this abortion case. And it, look, it's very likely. I, the audience should prepare themselves for an overturning of Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, is, it is very likely to happen with the 6-3 court. I've seen some, an op-ed this week that was like, promoting the idea of John Roberts, if he wants to really protect the union, he needs to resign because he's the most moderate Hmm. of the conservatives. Mm -hmm. And if he was to resign, we could get another liberal on there and then bring some semblance of balance back to the court. Mm -hmm. But obviously that's not going to happen. Pipe dream. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So anyway, um, yeah, things are about as regressive as mm-hmm. they have been in many, many years. Yeah. Especially after, you know, June 26, 2015, when, when marriage equality became the order of the day. This is like a like a reaction to that. Yeah. Like a, a violent, flailing reaction to equality. Mm-hmm. Just perplexing, yeah. for sure. I know. Sometimes I just randomly think about how Donald Trump had three... Supreme Court justices. Yeah. And it's it's hard to one which sit was with that. stolen from Obama. Yeah, it's hard to sit with that. Yeah. Because it has so transformed this country. And then we have well, anyway, I was going to go on a Diane Feinstein rant, but I will I will <laughs> refrain. I will refrain. You see there is discipline here. Well, one thing about being in DC is that we're planning on being on the Supreme Court steps and talking to people yeah, when the decision comes down on Roe v. Wade. So things like that we're excited to be a part of and, and one of the reasons we're grateful to be here. Yeah, well, I mean, one of, we are planning, I mean, we're looking into all kinds of tech options about whether we're going to live stream, whether we're going to just shoot video and then edit and then post the next day. I mean, there's we've got a lot of options here. I'm buying wireless mics. We're getting, this summer is going to be really the, the crux of the change for both the YouTube channel and the podcast. And uh, we're very much looking forward to it. Yeah. Anyway, we'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. That is our voicemail line. 
You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone or just email a regular old-fashioned email to idoubtit at dollamore.com. I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast. We would like to thank our new Patreon supporters, Richard W. Richard W. Frank D. Frank D. Eric A. Eric A. And Eric A. turned right around and more than doubled the pledge. (laughs) So thank you very much to Eric A. Fantastic. You know, this is a rare time when the names don't have any kind of consistent similarity or theme. schematic. Yes. (laughs) All completely different. Yeah, well, sometimes the listeners like to to, to fuck up a a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Not not the direction I was going to take, but sure. Well, you know, I want to veer off into freak territory. Okay. Anyway, thank you guys for all your support. Again, we are growing this operation into something uh, fantastic. We've got our feelers out for some for some interviews to be doing some standalone interviews of, of some authors of books we've read. And we are going to get out on the street and talk to some people who are protesting in D.C., whether that be the trucker ding-dongs or whatever coming up this summer. Thank you for support. We appreciate it very, very much. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So let's talk about what's going on in Ukraine right now. Vladimir Putin, uh, last evening, physically invaded the independent, sovereign, democratic nation of Ukraine. As was predicted by U.S. intelligence. Yeah, as was predicted by anybody with a couple of set of eyes, a couple of pair, a, a pair, a couple of set, a couple of pair, two <laughs> eyes in their head who can see. Well, I saw a lot of, and when I say a lot, I'm going to say at least five, at least five apologies in my Twitter timeline today from various leftists saying that they got it wrong. And yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. And that they got it wrong specifically on whether or not Russia was going to actually invade I think Ukraine. One of those people being Anna Kasparian. People lose sight of multiple things can be right at the same time. And you can criticize Biden and his foreign policy. You can not want to go to war. You can not want U.S. Involved, involvement in this at all. And still know that it's very clear that, that Putin is a bad actor who's going to do bad shit. Mm-hmm. It seems so fucking clear to me that this was inevitable. I mean, they're 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 putting sanctions on his oil pipeline going straight to Germany, and still, I mean, that's eleven fifteen billion dollar project. They just it's scrapped now. It's nothing, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter to Vladimir Putin. So I don't I don't get it. I I think that sometimes people get so caught up in their disapproval of Joe Biden that he's not liberal enough for them. And he's not liberal enough for me, so let's not get it twisted here. Well, also, I think part of it is distrust in the government, right? Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, w- w- that's fine. Yeah. But you can you can distrust... You think I trust the fucking government? Or you, I mean, not you, but the royal you. Uh, well, or I'm personally being attacked. We don't know yet. <laughs> Does someone... I mean, of course. But you can also look at things with clear eyes. Yeah. And an understanding and a track record of Vladimir Putin, who murdered hundreds of people in an apartment, set of apartment bombings in Russia in 1999, injuring over a thousand people. He's not a good fucking guy. Mm -hmm. Even more strange, actually not more strange, all of it's fucking bizarre, is the fact that Republicans, conservatives, all across the, the spectrum, all across the media spectrum, have from have done everything from deny that it's actually happening while it's happening because Joe Biden said so to now painting Vladimir Putin as though he is a hero he is a wonder a, a wonderful man mm-hmm. who is savvy and strategic and a genius all these things are being said about him 
people, Candace Owens, I don't have the tweet here, but she tweeted the other day that um, if you want to know what's going on in Russia right now, go read the transcript of Putin's speech and that'll tell you the truth about what's happening. And she ends her tweet with, we are at fault. This is our fault. That is fucking galaxy brain nonsense to me. It's also scary when she has a platform of her size. Yeah, and Tulsi Gabbard is another one mm-hmm. who's, for all of you, and yes, yes, it does bring me joy because I have always despised that woman. And, you know, maybe we'll do a little tooting of the horns here. <laughs> Tulsi Gabbard, the Democrat uh, du jour of the last few years, is now going to be speaking at CPAC. The same conference at which last year there was a literal golden statue of Donald Trump. She's speaking. Believe people when they say who the fuck they are. Speaking of that, here's a Newsmax clip. Oh, Newsmax. Of of Stitchfield or whatever the fuck that guy's name is denying that the invasion is happening based solely on the fact that Joe Biden said it was. Again, first we saw the personal lies, then we see the policy lies. Nothing we get from this administration is true. These are the reasons why I don't trust Joe Biden or anyone around him. This Russian invasion that they claim is well underway smells fishy to me. Now, don't get me wrong. I predicted Russia would take Ukraine with little bloodshed. I predicted Vladimir Putin would roll in just like he did in Crimea and declare it as his. Now, that could be what's happening right now. Team Biden tells us the Russian cyber attacks have increased against Ukraine. It would make sense. But have they increased? Where's the evidence? Guess what? We never get any evidence with Team Biden. Certainly not with COVID. We don't get evidence now surrounding Ukraine. Why? Because Vladimir Putin is playing Joe Biden for the rudderless fool that he is. President Trump knows what's behind Putin's moves. So this reminds me a lot of what Donald Trump said in one of his interviews, I can't remember now, where he was praising Putin as a genius, but then also saying that what's happening right now wouldn't be happening if he was president. Yeah. So talking about it as though it's a negative thing and a positive thing. They want it both ways all the time. Well, and this this guy was doing the same thing, where it seems like he's saying both things. Well, that, it's, it, that the invasion yeah. is happening, yeah. but it, it would be done in a certain way, like Putin's just going to walk in and there's going to be no issue. It's like, wait, I thought you said that the invasion isn't happening. Yeah, you don't saying, believe anything that's being said. This is not happening. I predicted this would happen, but I don't even believe my own prediction because Biden... And the Democrats. It does It does not make sense. Right. It but does not make sense. It doesn't need to make sense because their audience is there for it. Yeah. I. You know what I mean? Yeah. He finishes with, and Donald Trump knows. He would... <laughs> Again, what does Donald Trump know? His interviews have been so embarrassing. Yeah, we're not going to play it because... Well, we... I, yeah, because it's, it's, it's too... It's just too stupid. But last night he was on with Laura Ingram. Yeah. And at some point he's like, well, and now you're saying that there's an amphibious assault, that American troops are, he, he, he thought that she was uh, uh, reporting on American invasion of Ukraine. Yeah. And that she should be secret, secretive about it. And, and she, she had to correct him. And, no, 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 no. That, that, those are Russians. Oh, 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 but you know, it will be the Southern border. Pretty, And then he pivots because he's, he's not the master of it, but again, it, he knows the audience. They don't give a fuck. You know, he never says, oh, I got that wrong. Or, right. Oh, I misunderstood what you said. Yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, oh, I thought you said this. And then blah, 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 blah. Here's why I'm right, ultimately. And so we're going to go from Newsmax to Tucker Carlson, of course, because Tucker Carlson has been a Russian agent this entire time. Tucker Carlson has been a, a mouthpiece for for the Kremlin. Featured on RT with Russian subtitles. That is right. They are playing segments of his program in Russia on Russian state TV and putting the Russian captions over it. So, I mean, what does that tell you? And here he is telling you that Putin is good and Democrats are bad. 
Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson. Tonight, since the day that Donald Trump became president, Democrats in Washington have told you you have a patriotic duty to hate Vladimir Putin. It's not a suggestion, it's a mandate. Anything less than hatred for Putin is treason. Many Americans have obeyed this directive. They now dutifully hate Vladimir Putin. Maybe you're one of them. Hating Putin has become the central purpose of America's foreign policy. It's the main thing that we talk about. Entire cable channels are now devoted to it. Very soon, that hatred of Vladimir Putin could bring the United States into a conflict in Eastern Europe. Before that happens, it might be worth asking yourself, since it is getting pretty serious, what is this really about? Why do I hate Putin so much? Has Putin ever called me a racist? Has he threatened to get me fired for disagreeing with him? Has he shipped every middle-class job in my town to Russia? Did he manufacture a worldwide pandemic that wrecked my business and kept me indoors for two years? Is he teaching my children to embrace racial discrimination? Is he making fentanyl? Is he trying to snuff out Christianity? Does he eat dogs? These are fair questions, and the answer to all of them is no. Vladimir Putin didn't do any of that. So why does permanent Washington hate him so much? If you've been watching the news, you know that Putin is having a border dispute with a nation called Ukraine. Did, did Putin make fentanyl? That's the first time I've caught that. Yeah, also. And listening to that, what is he talking about there? I don't know. He also said, did he manufacture a worldwide pandemic? Uh, and does he eat dogs? And is he trying to snuff out Christianity? Ostensibly, he's do- talking about all things Democrats do, I guess. I don't know about the eating dogs thing. Is that just a, a racist, a, another racist moment from Tucker yeah, Carlson? Another one, yeah. It's endless, probably. So, I mean, what he's doing here is a juxtaposition. It's the thing that you hate is Vladimir Putin, when really you should be hating Democrats because they're trying to snuff out Christianity. I mean, it, it's striking that the divisions in this country are so strong that you have Republicans, conservatives, siding with Russia over fellow Americans. Right, because Joe Biden is president now. If Trump was president right now, it, this would not be the refrain. You would not be hearing this. Yeah. I. It's scary to think about what, yeah. what would be happening well, right Especially now. when they're using their bigotry and their pet culture war issues to justify yeah. why they revere Vladimir Putin. Listen to this clip. This is Steve Bannon, no introduction needed, and Eric Prince. And if you don't know who Eric Prince is, he is the billionaire brother of Betsy DeVos, the founder of Blackwater, the disgraced mercenary outfit, and a Republican fundraiser who funds like spy operations within movements, within um, activist organizations to try to bring them down. Listen to them heaping praise on Vladimir Putin while just mired in bigotry and anti-LGBTQ hate. And the reason that Putin ain't woke, he is anti-woke. The Russians, people still know which bathroom to use. They know how many how many genders are there in Russia? Two. Okay, that's all of a sudden. That's 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 not that's not. They don't have the flags. They don't have the pride flags outside on their on their. They don't have boys swimming in girls' uh, college swim meets. How backward! It's it's how, embarrassing. How, how savage! How medieval! How, how medieval. This is why this whole thing's a scam. It's a total and complete scam. And here's the beauty of it. And here's the beauty of it. Russia, only a few years ago, passed a bill, passed a law, that would outlaw gay propaganda, air quotes, air quotes, air quotes. That forbids the propagandizing or the promotion of homosexuality to minors. Like... I mean, it is... You mean kind of like a don't say gay bill in exactly, Florida? Exactly where... you where, can't have classroom discussions about sexual orientation or gender identity? It is a, a, a... Russia, relative to how they oppress gays, is a utopia for Steve Bannon and Eric Prince. It's what they... It is their end goal. People want to talk about how, oh, marriage equality was passed in 2015. Do you not think they're trying to roll back... Every every um, equal rights movement, every equal rights um, milestone that has ever been accomplished 
by women or gays or the transgender community or any other group. They are active women in abortion. We're witnessing that right now. We just talked about that. They are trying to roll back rights that have been long fought for and gained over generations. Mm-hmm. Well, you just, I mean, I just saw a headline the other day that the Supreme Court is going to hear uh, a case of a same-sex couple being discriminated against with a wedding website designer. Yeah. So here we go again. The cakes. With the Supreme Court yeah. and discrimination in same-sex couples. And here is where they're taking their cues. It's, it's Donald Trump. Donald Trump was on with Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Apparently, they took over for Rush Limbaugh. I think that's the case. And they went down to Mar-a-Lago. In, in a, I have another clip that I played in a video where Clay Travis afterward was like, oh, I just got to pinch myself. Who, who knew this was what we'd be doing? Talking to Donald Trump, 45, down at Mar-a-Lago. Wow. Listening to what his plans are for 2024. I just got to pinch myself. Oh my God. But here he is. Talking to these two dum-dums, heaping praise on Vladimir Putin, the invader of Ukraine, where thousands, if they haven't already, will be killed because of this aggression. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. I don't think our country has ever been so low. You could take the five worst presidents in the history of our country and put them together. I don't think they've done the damage that this administration has done. Mr. President, in the last 24 hours, we know Russia has said that they are recognizing two breakaway regions of Ukraine. And now this White House is stating that this is an invasion. That's a strong word. What went wrong here? What has the current occupant of the Oval Office done that he could have done differently? Well, what went wrong was a rigged election. And what went wrong is a candidate that shouldn't be there and a man that has no concept of what he's doing. I went in yesterday and there was a television screen and I said, this is genius. Putin declares a big portion of the Ukraine, of Ukraine. Putin declares it as independent. Oh, that's wonderful. So Putin is now saying it's independent, a large section of Ukraine. I said, how smart is that? And he's going to go in and be a peacekeeper. That's the strongest peace force. We could use that on our southern border. That's the strongest peace force I've ever seen. There were more army tanks than I've ever seen. They're going to keep peace all right. No, but think of it. Here's a guy who's very savvy. I know him very well, very, very well. By the way, this never would have happened with us. Had I been in office, not even thinkable. This would never have happened. But here's a guy that says, you know, uh, I'm going to declare a big portion of Ukraine independent. He used the word independent. And we're going to go out and we're going to go in and we're going to help keep peace. You got to say that's pretty savvy. And you know what the response was from Biden? There was no response. They didn't have one for that. Now it's very sad. Very sad. Do you think the southern border is just going to continue to deteriorate? Last year. Wow. (laughs) What a segue. They got to pivot off because he's like, what the fuck is this guy saying? Yeah. Well, because again, none of it makes sense. He's so savvy. His moves are so savvy, but this would not be happening if I was president. Yeah, and Biden has had no it. response. It's, 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 it's genius. It's wonderful. It's the strongest peacekeeping force. They're calling it a peacekeeping, just like Putin has. Using their language. It's the greatest thing I've ever seen, but this wouldn't be happening if I was president. Well, I thought it was great. Yeah. Wouldn't this great thing that's happening, this genius, wonderful, savvy thing that's happening right now? This peacekeeping operation? Why wouldn't you nice. want that to happen if you were a president, <laughs> guy? Yeah. Word salad. Pretty remarkable. And very sad. I do predict that this will backfire. I'm making a prediction. Trump's comments? The whole Republican refrain. Mm. I believe there's enough clear-thinking Americans who aren't just uh, insanely partisan who are going to see through this. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's going to play real well. Mm-hmm. Because people know who Vladimir Putin is. Maybe not the 30% of Republican, Republican, Republicans. But there's enough people out there who are going to be like, this is, this is gross. Yeah. And I want to wash the filth off of me. 
Well, you have different lawmakers that are, have been denouncing it, including Republicans. I believe Kevin McCarthy used the word evil. Mm, shocking. When talking about it. And Glenn Youngkin, the new governor of Virginia, also denounced Russia's actions. Mm, maybe he did get Trump's talking points. Yeah. We want to go to Capitol Hill, bring in NBC News Capitol Hill correspondent Leanne Caldwell. Leanne, it was a long night for lawmakers. Many spent the night responding to the latest developments in Ukraine. We saw Senator Marco Rubio tweeting a lot. Mm-hmm. What's the reaction, Ben? What can we expect from Congress today? Good morning, Joe. So the reaction has been pretty unified at this point from Republicans and Democrats and leadership and most rank and files condemning Putin and saying that there has to be some strong action against him. Now, of course, there's been some dissent where some people are criticizing President Biden for not being strong enough. But generally speaking, at this very moment, they are trying to give their support to the administration and their opposition to what Putin is doing. For example, you mentioned Rubio's tweet, uh, long tweet threads overnight where he was getting information from the CIA. He also said the people of Ukraine are tough people who will never accept being ruled by Putin. Pelosi, uh, the Speaker of the House, goes on to say that forceful leadership in imposing the first tranche of swift and severe sanctions by the president was necessary and good. Senator Lindsey Graham, who's been very outspoken about this, tweeted that he continues to provide, that that the U.S. should continue to provide Ukraine with defensive weapons as well as good intelligence. And then Senator Durbin of Illinois, the number two Senate uh, senator, says um, that that Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine's sovereign land is a dire threat to the established international order and must resolutely be deterred. But I will say there are politics that are likely to seep into this, especially as the former president, Donald Trump, was on TV last night praising uh, President Putin. And so that could become an issue for Republicans and it could taint what happens up here too, Joe. So earlier this afternoon, President Biden also came out and made additional comments and announced that there are going to be additional sanctions, Mm -hmm. which there were already sanctions, but they, from many people's perspectives, did not go far enough. And I know, Jesse, you have talked about this where you said that it's part of you believes that it's important that wiggle room was left to kind of have increasing sanctions, put increasing pressure on Putin to take different actions. Yeah. Because if, if you, I mean, if you just look at it from the perspective, if you just go hog fucking wild mm-hmm. and you just lay everything out and just, it's just a vice grip. That's just completely clamped. You've, then if he continues to do shit, then what do you do? Mm-hmm. You have, it's increasing pressure until, you know, uh, hopefully we don't get to a place where we have to make real tough choices. Um, for instance, again, going back to the multiple things can be true at one time. I don't want troops in there. I don't want American troops on the ground. But if we start with economic sanctions and then we gradually get to the point where we're, all right, well, we're going to give them, you know, 100 tanks, 300 fighter jets, where we start really up in the ante on what kind of military aid we're going to give them it might dissuade some further incursion. I, I mean, who knows? He's pretty fucking unhinged. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, 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 it is all, all for leaving some room for something to be done. Yeah. Well, and you said who knows. I just want to say I definitely do not know. It has been a day of learning for me, reading and following people that are certainly more educated than I am in this area. And I think I just want to say on that note that it is okay to not know what's going on and to not feel pressure to put your views out for public consumption. Yeah, don't, real life's not Twitter. You don't have to have an opinion about fucking everything. Yeah, and I've actually seen a lot of people modeling positive behavior in that regard where this is just not their area of expertise. It's just not. And people are asking them, what is your view on this? And they'll straight up say, I am not educated on this. I I don't know, but I do stand with the people of Ukraine and yeah. this is a terrible situation. And of course, everyone can recognize that. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of other people to go to. Like, yeah. First of all, like if you're coming to me for the the lowdown on what the, the, the international relations, uh, yeah, I'm the wrong guy. I've got some opinions. I've lived a life. I've done some things. 
But I'm no international or foreign policy expert at all. You can hold your own in those conversations, though. I've I've seen you and Ian together. Yeah. You and Team Ian. <laughs> That's a guy we need to get in studio. Yeah. Him and the and the, the 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 irascible Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and on that note, be careful of the photos and videos that you are sharing on social media because. Some news organizations are finding that social media users are sharing photos and videos from previous sure, inst- of instances of violence, including uh, airstrikes in Gaza. So just be careful of where you are getting your information. And one person that we both really like, Jesse, I think I can speak for you on this, is Clarissa Ward. Oh, my God. And she's a correspondent with CNN. She was on the ground in Kabul. Afghanistan when we were pulling the troops from Afghanistan. She's like, con- she's confronting Taliban soldiers who she are getting was. ready to fucking, to, to butt stalk her, she to was. pistol whip her. Yeah. And she's challenging and asking them probing journalistic questions. I mean, it's, she's remarkable. She is. Yeah. And she was with hundreds of people who were taking shelter in a, in the subway That's in right. Ukraine. And she interviewed several people, but there was one woman who really stood out to me. And I we wanted to end the show with this clip because it's an important reminder that there are people that are being hurt in this tragedy, that Russia's invasion of Ukraine is hurting families, is hurting children. People are scared. They don't know where to go. They don't know what's next. They are leaving their homes with one bag of food, one bag of items, and they don't know what's next. They're, they're just like your neighbors. Right. They're just people living their lives. They just don't live where you live. Right. And so we want to we wanna leave everybody with the reminder that there are very real human costs to what's happening right now. One of my colleagues told me that uh, it's now going to be the most dangerous time and uh, that we are going to be under the rocket attacks and uh, the safest place is to, to hide here. So it's like you wake up in a, a totally new reality at 5 a.m. and you find out that the world is no longer the safe place you imagine. And uh, it's hard to believe that it's actually our neighbor doing this because uh, we never really believed that our like neighbor can, can just come and just grab our land and tell us what to do and uh, we are independent country Ukraine and we are totally not same as Russians and we don't want to be a part of Russia or any other country it's really getting very emotional and I cannot believe it's happening really I just hope that uh, some people in Russia may see this and just stand against the Putin and the war. What would you want people in Russia to know or hear from you? I would like to know. I know that uh, uh, Russian media is blocking all information and I would like uh, them to know that they're not taking just their uh, military bases. They're actually taking in our neighborhood and they're making us feel insecure and very unsafe. Is your family safe? Are you with your family? I'm with my family, and part of my family stays in Canada, and they're really crying for us. That's hard to believe. What was your reaction when you woke up this morning and you heard the explosions? I couldn't believe. I thought, I thought maybe some, somebody used uh, some a powerful firework or something. Uh, it cannot be true. And then my parents came to my room. First of all, my boss called me from South Korea and he told me, did you see the news The Russia actually invaded? And uh, then my parents told me this. And uh, we just started to pack the things in case of emergency. That's it. And what's your plan now? Uh, what's my plan now? I don't know. For now, we are staying here. To tell the truth, I hope that uh, Europe and USA, they will support us at their most because uh, Putin is such a person who understands only the language of power. And I hope they can really put him to sense if it's still possible because I don't believe that he will just stop or that it will be a quick war. And I don't want any people to die here in my land. It should be noted 
that, well, one, the Russian people are not our enemies. Hundreds of Russians at last report, before we started the show, hundreds had been detained slash arrested for protesting in the streets of Moscow. Mm-hmm. Protesting Russia's military invasion of their neighbor, Ukraine. Very brave. They're being, like, brutalized by police in the streets. So it's not just American and Western alliances that are like, oh, this is terrible. Hundreds, if not thousands of Russians also know that it is, and they are protesting that action. Right. Um, Very real. I mean, unbelievably sad. Imagine where you live in America or wherever you're listening. This kind of thing happening where you have to go hide in a subway or a bus station or a bomb shelter. Mm-hmm. Would you even know what, where a bomb shelter is in America? Mm-hmm. We live a different kind of existence where we're not threatened in this way. Yeah. I'm just, makes me emotional. Yeah. I'm, I'm um, that clip is, it very much, like you said, illustrates the, the real human cost that is happening right now mm-hmm. while Republicans just demonize Democrats. Yeah. Trying to shut down, snuff out Christianity is the words he used. Well, and, and do Putin's work for him. Yeah. So that there are additional American citizens that are then standing with Putin. Yeah. In this horrific action. Because they don't taken. know enough. Yeah. They just listen to Donald Trump. They listen to Tucker Carlson. They listen to Steve Bannon, and they take their marching orders. Yeah, well, I mean, that's easier than trying to read and educate yourself about what's happening here. Yeah. We'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We don't say it enough. We actually may say it enough, but it can't be said enough. We love you guys. (laughs) We do. We appreciate you. Thank you for your contributions to the show with your time, your listenership, your hard-earned dollars by giving on Patreon, your voicemails, your opinion, helping us move the conversation forward on an episode-by-episode basis. Anyway, we love you. We will see you next time. Until we do, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt.